now we can get back to what you were saying. You were telling me about this terrific day you just had. Yeah, I just, well, every, a bunch of horses went home at the end of August. So it was like a complete turnover in my string first of September. And they're all, it's not like problem horses. They're all starts. You know what I mean? They're all two-year-olds and three-year-olds. Um, and obviously with the clinic last weekend, I was gone, hadn't gotten much done, but, uh, today I just got several first rides out of the way and stuff. And it was nice. Cause I, I, what I've started doing, especially what I've found the horses I get lately, I get a lot of more quiet horses and that's good, but they just don't move out the way I like them to. Um, so I've just been starting to work the horses like two at a time. So I'll get two of them in the round pen and then catch one and saddle it, mess with it for a while and then catch one and saddle the other one, mess with it for a while and then move them both out and then like catch one and get it up to the fence and do that stuff and then ride that one like while the other one's still in the round pen and just having that other horse, it just has made my life so much easier because I don't have to work near as hard to get the horses to move out. Um, How much other stuff are you doing throughout the day? in terms of stuff you're trying to get done? I, well, you know, with all these clinics right now, it's, it's quite a bit of stuff. Um, like this morning, um, you know, this morning I went to the gym and I came home and then I fed everything. And then, um, I had to go out about 20 minutes to a place where I taught a lesson, did a two hour lesson, and then went into town, grabbed some quick lunch, and, uh, and actually got a haircut today. Finally, I was really overdue yeah, for one. Great. And then I came home. Yeah, thanks, man. And, uh, and then, yeah, so I basically, I just spent my afternoon with the client horses. Um, so it wasn't like a full day thing. Um, tomorrow, tomorrow will be a full day. And there's some of them where like they felt really good. If they're going around, okay. in a snaffle tomorrow, I'm just going to take them out of the round pen and start going out um we've we've just finished all our third cut in hay so there's all the hay fields are cut and it's like the perfect time to ride out right now because there's just all these beautiful cut hay fields to ride in and you can just move the horses out and not really worry about footing or anything and just just really enjoy being outside and riding a horse it's my favorite time of the year oh yeah yeah when we were up there and West Virginia Buck kept talking about the fresh hay cut out west. And that last night I was there, he was really putting it in into a picture. He was like, man, as I left home, I went past this big pasture of just beautifully fresh cut hay. And you guys just have piss poor crap out here on the East Coast. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> it just makes you, you can almost smell it. You know that smell of a fresh cut hay field, all the pretty bales mm-hmm. out there. And I think of that scene, yep. even in the Horse Whisperer, where Tom Booker's out there riding around. That was probably Buck on a horse, but out there trotting around through the hay bales or just anywhere where there's pretty hay bales and a big hay field, but riding through it. Yeah, that was that was fun last night. Um, like I told you, I had a friend come over um, and we rode out. We were riding and, and they still had the round bales out there. They went and picked them all up today but they still had the round bales out there. So weaving in and out of the round bales. And then, um, 
you know, we brought our like rackets out there. So we, once we rode around for a while and the horses were going good, we picked up the rackets and we like canter around and be like, all right, now canter this way and try to hit that hay bale and then canter this way and try to hit that hay bale. And yeah, it's man, when the hay's cut and you can just ride around, it's, it's a great feeling. Had this guy ever used a, a racket horseback? Yeah. Yeah. So this was the guy I was telling you about. He's, he's been playing polo cross since he's like 10 years old. Oh, he's, um, he's like gone to other countries on, on youth tours and played. So he kind of on the racket skill side, he kind of put me to shame. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, if it's that guy. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. It's going to be interesting playing in November. Cause I've got, I try to practice a little bit when I can, cause I think of you, I'm like, I don't want to yeah. let my, let my team down or anything, but like I've, I've pulled that thing out maybe four times in the past three or four months. It's not a big deal, man. And it's going pretty good so far. Well, my biggest thing, yeah, it's not so much me. It's making sure the horse has done that before. And we've thrown a few balls and picked up a few balls and I can trot past it, pick it up. Yeah. He doesn't stop because my seat changes or something. So I've been thinking of that more Mm -hmm. than anything just to make sure he's calm and cool about it. So I don't, yeah. I don't yeah. show up. And then halfway through the game, I get off and start doing groundwork and they're all booing me from the sidelines. Yeah. <laughs> the, yeah. The biggest thing for, in my very limited experience, but as far as preparing a horse for it, you know, getting them good about the racket, which I mean, I'm sure your horse is, solid with the flag and stuff so if they're solid with the flag the ball and the racket's not a big jump for them most of the time um and then the other thing is just getting them kind of good in the traffic of it all so like i had one mare who's kind of a more opinionated mare so when before i took her to her first tournament like that thursday i saddled her and with her, with that mare, I roped every client horse I had and just ponied each horse around and kind of made it a point to get a little shorter than I normally would on the horse, like to pony him around when I had him roped. Um, and just get her used to having horses like right on her rear. And, y- you know, you know, I mean, you see in the clinic, like the clinics buck does, like there's some horses when other horses get close, they get all pissy. So just getting kind of all that out of them before a polo cross tournament, that's really important too. But Ziggy doesn't really strike me as that kind of horse. I don't, you know him better than I do, but. Not unless there's chance to do a standing up maneuver, but no, I think he'll, I think he'll be pretty cool. <laughs> it wouldn't be handy to have your horse get herd bound halfway through a match either, I bet. Or I guess it wouldn't be halfway through, but it would just start out that way. But. Yeah. Just where depends who he's herd bound to. If it's herd bound to another horse on your team, then he maybe just like might barrel straight to him and then you can throw him the maybe. ball. <laughs> so when you pass that, but it ball, probably wouldn't be advantageous. Like, no. are there any rules about how you handle the ball? Do you have to handle it with the, with the racket only? Okay. Yeah. yeah. So if you like, say if the ball like landed in your lap, yeah. That's okay, but you can't like advance the ball. You have to like drop it. Basically. Okay, so it's just a, it's like a out of bounds, like your seat. 
you just kind of drop it on the ground and can you put it in your net or do you have yeah. to drop it on so the ground? I, I think you have to drop it on the ground. So, I don't know. I wasn't familiar with this rule until I watched a hockey game a couple of years ago and someone explained it to me. But like in hockey, if the puck flies like right in front of your face, you can actually catch it in, like with your hand. But the rule is you can't advance the puck. I'm pretty sure that's the rule. So like you can catch the puck in your hand, but then you just have to drop it. You can't like skate forward with it. And it's that's kind of my understanding of polo cross. But again, you're asking someone who's kind of new to yeah. this. No, from what I remember, that's correct about hockey. But yeah, yeah. So I think it's kind of a similar rule. But no, I'm, I'm telling you, man, it'll it'll be fun. It's gonna be a laid back deal, and it, you know, like we talked about, it'll just be fun camping out with your horses and having something to do for the. Oh week. yeah, if nothing else, it'll be a blast. Especially mm-hmm. if you start having to do some groundwork halfway through the game and get kicked out. <laughs> and then you might recruit yeah. the whole team. Oh, I've done. Like, guys, you should just quit yeah. polo cross and come do horsemanship with us. Just give it all up. <laughs> yeah. Drop your nets and follow me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but would they boo you? Like, what would happen if you stepped off in the middle of a game? You just started working with your horse. In You're like, ah, he's all braced up, and I'm making it worse. Got to fix him. And like, maybe you start working your way know. off well, the so, field. But like, yeah, would they end the game? I guess is what I'm saying. Or would your would the other two players just no, keep going? Wouldn't. I mean, they might, they might blow the whistle dead. Well, like, there are times where a player and horse can be disqualified, and then they just keep going like two versus three. You know? Yeah. So it's not like, like if you want to get off and technically I've seen this too. Like if you fall off, like play doesn't stop unless it's a safety issue. So like if you're behind where the play is going on and then you just get bucked off, like everyone else will just keep playing. They won't blow it dead until, you know, maybe they go back down the other way and they're like, all right, we better blow this game dead so this person doesn't get trampled you yeah. know because they just came off their horse okay yeah i know i'm asking um, a lot of very random questions but i'm just curious just how it would go oh ask away i'll, I'll give you all my half-baked an- baked answers like i said i i'm still super new so yeah we'll have to find We're, us i'm find figuring an it expert out to talk about this yeah yeah i've been scouting a couple that we can talk to and november when we go down to alabama yeah i wish we had had a chance to get those rackets out this past weekend the whole way home i just kept remembering things i forgot to do like my friend kenneth was there he wanted to sit in my saddle and it's like these things happen where you make all these plans and you tell somebody oh yeah we'll Mm -hmm. do that after lunch we'll we'll swap saddles and you can try that out or hey we'll grab a bite to eat or i'll talk to you or or people that you said, meet me at that clinic and I'll spend some time with you and we'll talk about whatever. And then you're driving home thinking, oh, I forgot yeah. to do that and that and that. And then all yeah. across practice, even well, just I'm riding sure around a little bit before the clinic. Yeah. This time I had, I was getting there after it started every morning and afternoon. So I, I, and I hate, hate doing that. I hated that. 
but it it is what it is. Yeah. But also you got to remember it it's like especially tough for you cuz you're also on the clock, right? Like you're you're working. Well, because not really. You're not, no, more the kindness of my heart though. Like I'm not I don't, you know. I'm not Well, yeah, but especially like with Bill's concert going Oh, yeah, on, but that you, too. You had responsibilities. When we didn't have a clock. We should get a clock next time. But that was more or less That was we Forrest Gumped our way through that, just as far as what to have there and how it was going to go and what everyone was doing. And that was very much, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's a first time for everything. There's a first time to go participate in a horse clinic and then put on a concert and then, and then find the sound guy and all that stuff. Um, of course, Bill could yeah. talk a lot more about that, but it was... Uh, yeah. So we need to give some context. We we need to give some context for like the three people that listen to this podcast. Um, So right now it is the Tuesday. Yeah, it is the Tuesday um, after the Lewisburg, West Virginia Buck Brandman Clinic that Ben and I were both at and both rode in. Um, Ben, you rode in the morning and the afternoon. I rode in the afternoon, the horsemanship one and a half. Um, but kind of the highlight of this clinic was a concert that your, um, boss and our mentor, Bill Barnes put on, um, up in Lewisburg and featuring a duet with Buck Brandeman. So that's what we're talking about right now is just all the happenings of the clinic and the concert that happened Saturday night and all that. But, um, yeah, it's. I mean, let's be honest, man. From your perspective, it was from the time you got there, it's just a logistical nightmare trying to get all that stuff done. Yeah, first of all, that explanation sounded very sophisticated for this humble podcast. So kudos to that. But yes, it did. Getting, well, I'm I'm high yeah, I know so. you always bring a little air of sophistication to what we do here, and I do appreciate it. It uh it makes me feel like I'm in high cotton with with good company, you know. <laughs> trying to raise my my social status a little bit here um yeah getting up there the whole thing just kind of happened right so i know that affected the weekend and in the clinic but that was worth every moment and i know i think bill feels the same way that it was hard and you get tired trying to run around and be a few places at once with the usual problems that already happen on their own but in the end that was a great turnout. That was really good. And uh that Man, made a clinic. I, I thought that changed the atmosphere, I think, of the entire clinic for the rest of the time. I, I totally agree. And we actually we talked about that with Buck on Sunday a little yeah. bit. It it um you know, when I I guess there was a bigger sense of community than you normally have. That's how I would describe it. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. Everybody just seemed comfortable. I mean, I kept thinking about it in the sense of, uh, well, kind of like taking the piss out of it. And I didn't mean that in a disrespectful mm-hmm. way, but in a good way. You know, these clinics, we talk about this all the time. It kind of becomes an event, becomes more of a horse show. Or for the people trying to learn, maybe it's the complete opposite. You're really sincere 
you're there to learn. And then it becomes this thing where you're really striving and you're being a little hard on yourself and it's just, it's too much. You just need to chill out, take a breath. Maybe, you know, people struggle with either one of those sides. And so that concert kind of, it reminded everybody, I think, maybe consciously or subconsciously that we're all there to have a good time. And, and with Buck being on the road this many years, when you get to see him too, you're learning a lot. You're having a good time. And you're also kind of honoring him for what he's done. So to have him get to perform and be there and everybody hear that and enjoy that and be together and smile and laugh and people started dancing. I don't think anyone planned that. It, uh, it changed the atmosphere. And I think the rest of the clinic, everybody just seemed a little happier. People were smiling in the clinic. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting what you say said about the dancing because I feel like it was kind of set up for dancing. Yeah. I, because of how much space there was between the stage and where the people were. I Maybe I don't get out enough. I just, like when the first couple started I mean, dancing. I don't know. I think it was that couple we talked to Saturday night. Yeah, Simon and yeah, his Simon wife. Yeah, Simon and his wife. And so when they went up there and started dancing, that totally... I mean, I was like, oh, cool. They, they're going to dance. And then when everybody started dancing, I was like, wow, everybody's dancing. I, I didn't expect it. Yeah. And it didn't surprise me. It's what I'm saying, but well, I didn't expect it at all. I never would have thought in 100 years yeah. that people were going to dance that night. Oh, I mean, it's a lot of good dancing. Music, it is. Man. And, and um, since it happened, it, it makes that sense. that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I um, I remember earlier that day, uh, or not that day, earlier in that performance, Hannah asked me, she was like, oh, are we, like, are we going to dance? And I was like, you know, I don't really know if it's that kind of place because it's kind of Bill's night and we're doing Bill's thing. I don't know if it's like a get up and dance in front of the stage thing or not. And then, like you said, they did it and it broke the ice and then everyone started dancing. It was a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. And, and the band loved it. And at one point when everyone was dancing yeah. and they were just doing a musical interlude, I think Bill was playing his tambourine and just the look on his face. You could tell he was having the yeah. time of his life, just not yeah. a care in the world in the moment. And so I know he appreciated that because you stand up there in front of a bunch of stoic well, people that are trying to learn horsemanship for the weekend. I bet that feels good when they start livening up and loosening up and being happy. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if I were to do a concert, I would want people to dance, you know? I I would want my music to have enough of an impact that people wanted to get up and express themselves. Yeah, I'd want to see some hats so bopping I've, at least. I'd want to see some, some shoulders yeah. and some hips, yeah. some toes tapping. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a lot of fun. Tell you what, my my dad really enjoyed it. He he had a big time. He thought that concert was oh awesome. that was and great. Meeting to, your dad, it was funny. Yeah, and, and he knew a bunch of people there, kind of like he always does wherever he goes. Um, and then you know get him getting to meet Bill and getting to meet Buck. It was funny. He was talking with Buck. He had a, like several mutual friends with Buck. They were talking about. I'm like, man, there's like, there's no one you don't at least know through mutual people, you know? Because as soon as he started talking, Buck was like, well, I know so-and-so, and I know so-and-so, and I've been out to this ranch. It was funny. Um, he, I, I can't remember the names, and they probably don't need to get mentioned 
here anyway, but um, my dad was like, yeah, we went out to this ranch um, for like an American Simmental Association tour and did all this. And Buck was like, oh, that's funny. The lady um, who kind of runs that ranch now and her family runs that ranch, like she was my high school sweetheart. And so they were talking about that and doing all that stuff. But yeah, um, the concert was awesome, man. It was, it was a lot of fun. And, you know, also, I don't know about you, but getting to see people that you see in like clinic settings quite a bit, and then you see them kind of in a different, more social atmosphere. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I think it's for different it's reasons, nice. but a lot of times I think people are focusing, trying to learn, maybe they're a little shy, whatever it is. So you, you just don't know yeah. what people are like. But man, that concert sure has loosened yeah. him up. Yeah. I mean, I know I'm not the most talkative at clinics. Like, cause I'm, I'm there to do yeah. a job basically. I'm yeah. there to try to learn as much yeah, as I can. Yeah, you're in class. Um, yeah, it's something really funny happened to me where I was getting ready to go in to the clinic, the afternoon class, and I met somebody and he's been around these for a while and I've never met him before. I think I might have seen him before, but he came up to me and he said hi and said hi and he knew Bill pretty well and I, I get that a lot. A lot of people know Bill, so they want to meet me. They, you know, so it's fun meet a lot of people. So I said hi, visited with him for a minute, and then I said, "Hey, I gotta go because my horse is really herd bound. I need to start working at this for buckets here, and I'm already late." And then he's like, "Oh, okay. I hope you do well in there." <laughs> But, and maybe that doesn't sound like anything to anybody, but it was really funny to me. I was cracking up internally because the way he said it, like, that's what I'd want to hear if I was going into like a raining arena or like a AQHA trail show or any other competition. I'd want to have yeah. someone say, Hey, I hope you do well in there. And I'm, to myself, yeah. I didn't say anything to him, but I'm thinking, do well in there. I hope I do terrible in there. I hope so many bad things come out of my horse and I learn a bunch and, like not in a bad way, yeah. but I did, I did crack up internally because I hope you do well in there. I'm thinking like, what are we getting ribbons when this is done or like, yeah. that was really funny. <laughs> yeah, no, it, I'm kind of of the same mindset. It's like, what, what would you get out of it? If everything Buck asked you to do, you could be like, yeah okay, I'm going to do that on this horse and not have any problems because we've already worked through all this. Um, and obviously you can, you know, you can always refine things, but especially in our line of work where you're riding horses for the public, it's a little more advantageous to just run into as many problems as you can while you have Buck's eyes on you. Yeah. And then he can kind of coach you through what's going on. So yeah, the the clinic setting, it's not a, uh, you know, I, and I'm sure you get this. Oh, I know you do because I've heard people say it. But, like, there'll, there'll be some onlooker after a, a class or whatever, and they'll be like, wow, I really enjoyed watching you ride your horse, and that horse seemed really with you, and da-da-da-da-da. And, and they mean really well, and maybe, um, you know, maybe there's a bunch of things you're working on where – where they might not notice that because they don't have the most educated eye, but you don't go to clinics to get accolades from onlookers or spectators or anything like that. Like that's not the point of clinics. The point of a clinic is for you to feel like, wow, I'm way more prepared 
for the next horror, or at least for us. It's a little, it's probably a little different for us than say someone who works a nine to five and they have a horse that they're working on and they're trying to get that horse better. Um, but for you and me, where we're riding horses for the public and kind of going through personal horses, it almost feels more advantageous. Like, wow, I, um, I got into a bunch of different scenarios there, but because Buck was there to kind of coach me through it, I feel way more prepared for the next horse I get on. Or even when I get on this horse next time, I'm going to be way more supportive. You know, yeah. that's how I kind of look at it anyway. Yeah. I, I think that's pretty on the money that I've definitely run across a few people who don't do it for the living and they, um, they're really trying to get it. They're really after it. And so when you start getting those accolades, if you believe them, that might kill your hunger, kind of kill your search a little bit or slow it down or reroute it. And, mm-hmm. you know, you've probably heard here it talked about a lot about not reading your comments. And because, like, you know, you hear the argument about social media and whatever. It's, it's not really anything different than human interaction. It's just different and can be caustic or excessive so same in person when you're in the clinic and you're getting feedback from people that's like a comment that would be posted somewhere or delivered to you or someone says it to you it's it's feedback and then so you just have to judge that might be a nice comment maybe it encourages you it's not the end of the world but you definitely have to be aware of that and then and trust the people who are better than you you know just trust their opinion know who you want to be like Know who you want to learn from and care about what they have to say. And uh, all that other stuff, it, it's, you know, it's like you said, it's, um, they probably mean well. I'm sure they do. And maybe they don't see where your horse is like totally not with you, but you still kind of look, yeah, you've probably got them pretty broke, especially if you've been riding the thing for a while on the ranch or something. But, but you're, yeah. you're, you're like not even in that realm. You're like, yeah, whatever, I know he can stop, or I know he can this or that. So you're riding around thinking about his mind, though, saying he's not with me. He's not with me at all. So you're just trying to get him with you. And, yeah. And maybe not everybody sees that, but but their comments can be encouraging just as long as you don't. You're just careful about how you manage that that feedback. Mm-hmm. No, I, I totally agree, and... I mean, how many times has Bill told us that, that like, don't believe your own press. Right. Um, so it's, it's super, it is nice because you don't want to be at the same time. You don't want to be the person who after the clinic, everyone's like, Oh man, did you see so like, there's just no, there's no hope for that person, which if you're, if you're watching buck clinics and, or any sort of clinic or any sort of horse thing. And you're saying, man, so-and-so did not have their horse under control and da, 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 da. Maybe you should just stay in your lane and like focus on your own deal. Don't worry what about what other people have going on. So I'll start with that is it's one thing to see someone having a problem in a clinic setting and be like, Oh, I'm going to learn from this. And it's because this person isn't doing X, Y, or Z that that horse is troubled right now. That's fine. 
but but don't go and pass judgment on anyone who's struggling in a clinic because it won't be very long until you're in that situation. So that's the first thing I'll say. Um, but also it, it is, it's really nice when, um, you know, when someone does, I, I don't know about you, but like, we don't really see people all that often in our line of work. Would you agree with that? Yeah. So you do get to, as far as riding, you know, try ride horse out. Yeah, exactly. People don't see, especially your yeah. horse, like my personal horses, people don't see me ride my personal horses very often, if ever. So if in passing, you know, the handful of times a year I'm in a public setting, like at a buck clinic, someone says, oh, wow, like you got that horse, like they're, they're really quiet and they seem with you. Like, that's awesome. That's great to hear. But that is also not an excuse for you to stop improving. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a way you because can kind of pass that compliment to the horse a little bit because maybe that maybe he has improved I totally a little bit agree. and you just kind of, you, you give that to yourself in the sense where you say, Hey, maybe you should pet your horse a little more and, and think a little more positively mm -hmm. about him and appreciate some good changes and notice all the good he's already done. Like, you know, you're going for this mountaintop yeah. all the time, but you know, don't forget what he is changing and doing better. Yeah, that reminds me of um, a guy I met when I worked uh, at the guest ranch in Montana in Greeno. Um, his name's Louis Vero. And um, several people know him. And Buck knows him really well because uh, he hosted uh, Ray Hunt clinics up there in Greeno for a long time. And I remember... A couple years back, Louie got inducted into the Montana Cowboy Hall of Fame because Louie's a, a darn good hand. And, I mean, I would say that, but, you know, I've had Buck say that to me. Louie's pretty darn handy, all that stuff. So Louie's a really good guy. But the thing in that article when they interviewed him, he said, the biggest thing I see is people don't give the horse enough credit and in all this you know going on like whatever you're trying to do with your horse very rarely do people ever give the horse enough credit and um i i think about that article quite a bit because i i really respect louis and and i remember you know louis was probably the first person ever him and his uh, daughter juanita were the first people ever to kind of expose me to like the Ray Hunt style of horsemanship when I worked up there at that guest ranch. And at that point when I was up there, Louie was retired. So he wasn't working for the ranch, but he was still living up there. And I just remember him rocking up in a spade bit. Um, like he had his horse in a two rein setup and he was like out in the pasture. He's getting ready to go on a trail ride with us. And he was just trotting around, but like, I didn't realize it at the time, but looking back now, he was, he was doing serpentines at the trot with just his legs on his, um, two rein mm -hmm. horse. And I just remember looking, I was like, man, it doesn't look like that guy's doing anything on that horse, but it's going exactly where he wants it to go, you know? Um, so, but anyway, 
that is a a long drawn out way to say um i i totally agree with you that if you get compliments like that just attribute them to the horse and keep yeah. moving <laughs> yeah that's great advice yeah wouldn't it be fun to meet your yeah. yourself from a few years ago just what that would do for you i mean maybe it would discourage some people but i think um I think it'd be encouraging for most people. Meet yourself from a few years ago. Yeah. And be like, man, huh. Just uh like what you just said, you're watching a guy ride and to to not even really think about what he was doing and now think about how you watch somebody ride. And not like, you know, you've been watching people ride yeah. your whole life, way more than I have. Um, and you've probably formed opinions of different games or matches or horse races or performances or any random thing. But now there's something else you look for in a horse. And um, mm-hmm. and to be aware of that. Bill and I were talking about that tonight. Um, it's like, uh, it's not like you just clearly get red-pilled at one point, you know, like in the Matrix. But it's like you start taking more of yeah. the red pill, I think, more and more. And you're always seeing more. The layers yeah. peel back. That onion c- continues to peel. And, um, mm-hmm. and it's so cool because... It's just your mind starts to change. You, um, we talked about that tonight. Just for some people, they're real hung up on some mechanics or hung up on this or that, and they're working really hard to pursue it. And they're people that are very intelligent. They have a lot to give and a lot of energy to put into it, but, but they're on a different track than the people that we know that are, it's a way of life for them. It's how they think. And it's not even just with a horse. It's something they're learning to do in their whole life, how they approach anything they do. Yeah. It's a way of life, and it's a way that you conduct yourself and become as a human. And it's not just a couple exercises that you work on till somebody says, hey, man, your horse looks pretty good. When you're chasing this way of life, that, hey, man, your horse looks pretty good, you don't really even hear it. And that's why, like, I... I hate to be rude to people sometimes, but I, I just hardly even hear what they're saying. You know, I'd rather talk about mm-hmm. the weather, even though that's a terrible subject, but I'd rather talk about the weather and smile and have a beer and have a good time. But I don't want to talk about how good my horse looks because that's, that's not the, that's not the headspace I live in. I live in the headspaces of, of um, where I'm going and, and how much I want to improve. And I know the horse looks good. They always look good. We don't always look that good. And then what we do and how we influence them doesn't really look that good sometimes. So anyway, enough of that yeah. rant. No, no, no. I, I, I totally agree. Um, yeah, for, for me, it's always just, uh, well, gosh, I appreciate you saying that, you know, we, um, uh, I, I'm proud of her or I'm proud of him. He's come a long way and, uh, just trying to get better. And, y- you know, you can be real kind of diplomatic in your responses to those deals. Well, okay, here's something. Because you and I both are pretty gregarious. We like talking to people. We like hearing things. We like hearing comments and input. So do you know what you would rather hear from people instead of kind of a... Because I don't know about you, but I almost feel kind of fake when I answer people when they make a comment like that. Like, I just put on kind of a fake answer, and I'm just trying to be nice. Cause so, obviously, I didn't really deeply appreciate that comment. didn't mean much to me. 
Is there a comment that you would like to hear that would mean more to you from folks? Yeah. Or a dialogue, anyway. A dialogue that would be different. Yeah. Yeah, there is. And this is tough for me because I, I, I have heard it a time or two. And I'll try to like say this without... Because I'm kind of like you. At the end of the day, I'd rather just like talk about the weather or the ball game or something else. I'm not interested in talking about how my horse is going around. Or even like when we go to polo cross tournaments, I'd rather talk about like the actual game. Like, oh, you should have gone here and passed here and da, 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 da. As opposed to, oh, well, your horse is doing a really good job. Da, da, da. It's like, well, it, I appreciate you saying that, but I'm not trying to make the horse look good like for to get compliments. Um, but w- one compliment that did really mean something to me was um, – at that deal I did with all those rescue horses. Um, and, and again, I, I wasn't really doing it for the competition's sake. I kind of got roped into it cause Kaylee was going to be the photographer for the event. And so I was like, all right, I'll take one of those, um, one of those rescue horses and, and, and ride them for the summer and then try to help it find a, a home. Um, but I did, I had one of the judges come up to me at that deal and and he said you know um you know i we judge on the criteria they give us for that deal but when you came into the ring it was clear that that horse really trusted you and you had a real connection with that horse um and it wasn't like wow your horse looks good or so but if if someone you know, like that, it's like, man, that horse trusts you. Cause that is something you work hard at. And yeah. And that, you know, that matters way more to me than like, look how good this leg yield is or something like that is no, that trust horse trusts you. And any, any time there was something that bothered him, he felt back to you as opposed to, you know, flipping on instinct and and, and trying to seek. So, um, again, I, I wouldn't, I'd still rather have someone come up to me and be like, Oh man, how, you know, what do you think about Virginia tech's defense this year or something like that? Like, I just rather talk about other stuff. Um, yeah, but I, I do remember that comment because that it was just nice for someone to say that, um, as opposed to, I guess you'd say more, more superficial stuff. I don't know if that makes sense or not, or if that's vain, but yeah, that, that does, that does. I I think that's kind of like when we have a horse, we're riding for somebody and they come and pick it up and it feels really good when they they ride it and they say, boy, I've been some of these people, they say, boy, I've been riding horses my whole life or started quite a few. I've never had a horse just be this calm, and respond to my legs and stop and then backs up and, and they just start getting excited. And to me, I can, 
I know what to do with that compliment. I can point it right at the people that are helping me and where all this is coming from and just say, hey, and I'll take a little credit for being a hard worker. Yeah, I'll you say, are hey, a hard worker. Well, I, I'm glad that you finally made it here. Well, mm-hmm. thank you, but not necessarily just physical physical hard work, but, but at this, yeah. right? To be able to take what our teachers are giving us and turn it into something, little what it is, to turn it into something that people can appreciate. Um, I'll try to tell them that. I'll say, well, you know, I... I have a lot of really great people in my life that I'm super lucky to know. And then through those people, I'm lucky to have found some great sources and getting as close to that as I can. And and I just work really hard at it. And and that's why your horse is like this. And you could have this too. You can go get it. Your friends can get it. Um, all these other trainers that you've been trying for years, they could go get it too. Like I'm, I'm only as good as it of an ambassador. Mm-hmm as I can be, you know, and I want to get better at it, but you can take that compliment and really do something with it. And I like that. And also it's genuine. It's their horse and they're seeing a change. It's not just a compliment or, you know, Hey, you look really good on that horse. Almost like, you know, if I was a photographer, I'd get some great pictures of you and you could put them on Instagram or something, but it's really, it's personal to them. They want a safe Mm -hmm. horse because you know what that feels like. Remember like the, I think it happens all the time more and more, but especially at the beginning when you start riding like this and you start to realize you can get a horse safe, probably not that handy yet, but it's just safe. Likes Mm -hmm. being with you. And the feeling you get from that is so, so good. You're like, man, I I thought I was going to have to fight with horses for the rest of my life and just quit. And so I think when they feel that with a horse that they own, they send it to you, you pull off something that they can appreciate. And even though you might... I, I do it. I'm always thinking, gosh, I wish I had another couple months or that's certainly not. I'd like my horse to be better than that, but yeah, I get it from where they're coming from. Mm. They're really thankful. And, and you can always point that yeah. somewhere. Oh, useful. that man. I, I get that last part. Cause, cause I'll, um, you know, I've started not a ton, but I'll do a few lessons for like people who I've had their horses in the past. And now, they're working with their horses and I'll go and kind of check in on them and say, okay, this is kind of the next progression. And it was, it was funny. I, uh, one gal, I had her horse for four months this summer and then she took it back and, um, she's been riding it and I've gone over a couple times. Uh, but she came to the clinic this weekend and you know, some like she'd be watching Buck and Buck would say something, and she'd look at me and say, oh, you say that all the time. And I'm like, yeah, I've told you from the very beginning, I'm not saying anything original. I'm literally just a sounding board of things I've heard Buck Brandeman say. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, okay. But, um, you know, and then obviously the clinic, just like anybody, it helps their understanding a whole bunch. But the point of that was, you go and, and teach these lessons and you watch these horses that, you know, maybe you had three months ago or something and they're going around and you're just like, man, if I could do it over again, I wor- would have worked more on this or I would have worked more on that, you know? Um, but I imagine you're probably the same way. It's one of those things like 
you could probably just look at a horse and until they're straight up in the bridle, you're always going to look at them and be like, man, I could have done this a little bit more, or done this a little bit more, you know? Well, and gosh, once they are straight up in the bridle, think about how you think yeah. about it then. That's like, then I think you must have to decide who you're going to be. Like you hear about um, authors mm -hmm. who write a book and for the rest of their life, they think about what they could do better in that book. And then some just go, nope, it's done. It's finished. It's closed and move on. And uh, so when you make your first bridal horse, who do you think you're going to be? I, I want to be the second guy, and I think I can be yeah. that guy. And then any criticism I have or any changes, learn that, take it to heart, work on the next horse that way. Yeah. Um, not to say I wouldn't, like, ride with better quality as I learned to have better quality, right. but in terms of thinking I had to go back in and do software updates all the time, yeah. so to speak. Um, but again... I don't know. I'd I'd like to ask someone way smarter than me that because I feel like if you did make a bridle horse and he wasn't perfect and you saw the error of your way, you wouldn't necessarily go, well, I need to start fixing this. But if you were learning to be a better horseman all the time, it might take a while, but he would pick up on that. He would be getting better and better and yeah. better. He wouldn't just stay the same because that'd be kind of stupid to make a bridle horse and then think that he'll stay locked in just like that for the rest of his life. Yeah. If you were getting better as a rider or if you're getting worse as a rider, we hear those stories about people that buy a bridle horse and then six months later, they're riding around in a, in a hackamore. And then six months later, they're riding around in a snaffle bit. So it probably works the other yeah. way too. I'm sure. Sometimes your front row seat to those stories. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes you just don't want to be on the stage. Yeah be in that story <laughs> oh man but but hey maybe you would have to maybe you just would have to fail some maybe you would have that happen to you a couple times to be a good like i like i'm i'm uh i'm willing to go through that that could happen to me man i could make a bridle horse and then maybe i would end up having to go back and work on it maybe i'd end up in the snaffle bit or i mean i'd take good advice from yeah. somebody like buck or but but that could happen to me and and hey whatever I would go through that. It's worth it to me. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. Some of the best, it wasn't even advice. It was just a thought, but I think it's really good thought. Um, and it's our, uh, mutual friend, Nathan Hahn. He said it, he's like, sometimes it, it's not like th this journey. You can't treat it like you're bushwhacking through the wilderness and it's a struggle for survival. You have to treat it like you're just reading a book and you're just a character in the book. Right. So when you go through things like, I don't know, okay, I want to transition my horse to the hackamore. I failed miserably. Now I got to go back to the snaffle. You can't take it personally. You just have to kind of almost be in the third person about it. And be like, okay, well, now that happened, and now I'm going through this part of my journey. And I'm then that happened, I'm going through this part of my journey. And it's just kind of like reading a book. Um, and I think that's a good perspective to have. Because as long as you got the right 
sentiment in your heart and you're pursuing what you know is right, um, you know, the process is just going to be the process and you just got to keep going and, and not let it affect you too much. Yeah. Well, like I learned a little something this week. So when I left that clinic, you know, I left that night and I was driving home about an eight and a half hours drive and I was driving along getting tired and I was listening to David Mm -hmm. Goggins thought that'd keep me up. He's talking about enduring and suffering and you do the hard stuff. And, and, and so I'm like, okay, I'm like, dude, I'm going to drive all night. Like I can keep, I'm going to endure. Like, and again, like I'm not stupid when it comes to driving at night, I'll stop. But I was thinking about it. I was like, Hey, maybe I wouldn't get tired. Maybe I can do this. I'm going to do this, you know? So I'm, I'm doing it. I'm getting tired, but I'm doing it. Then he gets to the part where he talks about, yeah, but I'd still end up back on the couch with a milkshake sometimes. When he said that, I was like, okay, I'm stopping for the night. Yeah. And and I've been thinking about that all week because, yeah, I wanted to endure. I'd like to think that I have this way to control my mind and drive all night and it be safe or do a lot of other things, horses, other things, all kind of stuff. But that idea that you can't do it, so you can endure to a certain extent and then you're going to fail. Okay. But, but what kind of man are you? Are you going to go back and do it again? And he trying to do that and then realizing that I need to stop and anybody listening is probably thinking, what an idiot. <laughs> but, but it wasn't about being safe or not. It was something else I was trying to do. I was thinking of and just trying to have this mindset, but, and then that kind of released me to fail when he said that. And I'm laughing at myself driving down the road in the middle of the night. But, um, but I've been thinking about that this week because, you know, you, you start feeling like you're juggling plates sometimes and you want to try to keep all of them up and you want them all to spin just right. And you want all of them to be clean or however you like to spin your plates, mm-hmm. you know, but you want it to be just right. You have an image in your mind how you want it to be. And, but you can't do it all. And so when you kind of submit yourself to that more and more, your life gets more calm you actually get more done and you give it your all for that amount of time you can. And then you kind of, sometimes the air gets taken out of you for a minute. That's all right. And you just, I don't think you'll ever fail less in life. Just hopefully you fail at better things. You fail at different things all the time. And to where maybe for instance, not that anyone should start doing it, but maybe you could drive all night. Maybe you could do it. You could just, you figured out how to do it, but, uh, but there'd be something else you'd fail at that you would have to, keep going back and hitting the couch with a milkshake, so to speak, and going, huh, so much for all of my goals. Well, someday you'll be able to work out for 24 hours straight or whatever it is you were trying to do, and you wouldn't grab a milkshake and get on the couch. But there'd be something else you mm-hmm. fail at. But you're, you're just working up the ladder. You're working towards something higher, higher than you're doing now, and you'll fail that stuff up there. Mm-hmm. So don't think you'll get rid of that hardship it helps me to think about it that way. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a healthy perspective because it's one of those things where you shouldn't be satisfied with failure, but you also can't not deal with failure, you know, because you're going, you're going to have, have it happen. Failure it's just a part of life and it's a part of really anything worthwhile for horses 
example, as an example, you're going to try to do stuff with horses, just fail and fail and fail and fail and fail. And then it might work 10% of the time. And then 90% of the time you fail. And then slowly over time, you're like, Oh, now I've gotten to where I can do whatever that thing is. I can do that consistently. And then there's going to be another thing. And it's like, well, now I'm just going to fail at this. And you can't just say, Oh yeah, I'm the person that fails and that's okay. Cause you don't want to be complacent, but you also can't be afraid of it. Yeah. So I totally get that. And I mean, like you said, everyone does it. David Goggins, who acts like this superhuman immortal and he fails and he's failed a lot and then he goes and you know kind of reevaluates and sees how he can be more successful next time and he's a person with enough discipline that a lot of times whatever he does pursue he eventually um he gets it because he's not afraid to pursue it in the first place yeah yeah it made me think of people ahead of us they're not perfect either but they're failing at different things they're failing up yeah uphill towards some other stuff and yeah so it makes them relatable but it also makes them warriors that are that are cutting a trail out beyond where i am hmm. so i i push on but not delusional that i'll get to a point i won't fail yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That was a good point you made earlier too about just being around people who are better than you and and what it does to motivate you and put things in your perspective, right? Because if you're in a bubble, you can uh you can kind of rest on your own laurels a little bit. Yeah. Um it it's like I was telling you with uh, that that guy who came to do a little polo cross practice last night i hadn't practiced with a lot of experienced people it's kind of in, in this area everyone's new at it and then i started throwing the ball around with him and watching how he spun his racket around did all this crazy stuff and i was like oh i have a lot of work to do if that's something i want to be good at like i, I like you know you and it's the same with the horsemanship. Like every time you watch Buck Ride, like anytime you see Buck Ride, it's just amazing. But you're also like, wow, I just saw 10 new things I had never even thought about that I'm going to have to get really good at if I'm ever going to get anywhere close to that level. Yeah. Yeah, I talked to someone this weekend and they were talking about a job opportunity. They were thinking about taking and the person the the prospective employer and the person in question um what she said was is the lady wanted her to come and ride some horses for her like like go learn but be riding some horses and we talked about it and more and more it just sounded like someone was going to go and ride ride a lot of horses um, mm -hmm. that weren't, I don't know if they were all this person's clients, 
but just ride quite a few horses. And it made me think of the people that I've got to spend time around. I didn't certainly didn't ride their horse and I certainly didn't ride their client horses. And I felt very honored to, to lead their horses around and help them saddle them. They had a certain, they had a way they were. And to me, that makes me feel like I'm below them, right? Like they have horses, they ride a certain way. They have horses that ride for their clients a certain way. Therefore, the way they were treating me was, you know, you're, you're not just going to ride these horses. You know, I, I'm better than you. And it was a good thing. I'm there trying to learn. So I don't want them to treat me like I'm as good as them. So I didn't have much advice for this person. But all I had to say is I talked about that. I said, well, I don't, I don't really know what to tell you. But I, I'm observing this, that if I was picking somebody to go work with, I'd want them to not let me ride their horse. And maybe I ride a horse or two or they, they work with me, but they're not just saying, hey, you know, I need you to ride my horse a couple times a week and ride a few of my client horses a few times a week. And sure. I wouldn't want that, that sense of um, just that laxity, somebody to be like that, that I'm going to learn from. I'd want that person that I was going to learn from to really, really be concerned about who messed with their horse and who rode their client horses. And yeah, I don't, that was just really clear to me. And to me, it was like, yeah, that if I was around that person, I would love to be around people like that. I have no problem with that. But like, if I was looking for a real master Yoda to be around, I I don't Mm -hmm. think, I don't think that would be a guy I'd want to be around. Because I would just feel like we were kind of equals. So, yeah, you need people like that in your life, but should definitely, you know, find somebody who has some prestige, I guess. And they've set themselves apart because they're going somewhere and they're kind and they're loving and stuff, but they've set themselves apart. You're honored to saddle their horse. And that's who I'd want to be around. Then I know that, you know, they know more than me. And there's a reason why yeah. I don't get to do what they do yet. And maybe someday I could. But if you're trying to find people to be around that are at eye level with you, it doesn't do you any good. I mean, it's physics, right? It comes back to like physics. If you're around someone that's shorter than you, you're going to have to stoop. If you're around someone your height, you don't have to do anything. And like when I'm around you, if I want to be the same height, I got to get a little stool, right? If I was to be around your dad, <laughs> I'd need a really big stool. So... It's like, it's yeah. physics. It's very, very simple. Yeah. And, uh, but with relationships and all this pride we have as humans and whatever, it, it gets way more complicated. But that was just an observation. You know, the person she was going to work for is a great person, but maybe she's capable of more even than that. Maybe she could find somebody to work with where, yeah, where it's like, oh, you're up there. I'm down here. Please help me to get up there where you are yeah but yeah absolutely anyway yeah no i i think i think you're 100 percent right and and that's probably not just with horses but that's any pursuit like if you're looking for the mentor get as close to the top as you can you know it might be one of those things where for example, Buck, he's like scaling back on clinics. So he might not be, it's not like you could ride with Buck every other week. 
anymore. But you need to get as close to the top as you can in, in whatever you're going to pursue. Um, because that is what's going to accelerate you to being good faster than kind of piddling around with other more layman type people at whatever skill you're trying to get better at. Yeah, totally agree. Hey, so we didn't really even talk about it yet. How was this weekend for you in terms of, uh, just all around just where it kind of rates on your, your clinic chart of, uh, ones you've been to. Oh man, I really enjoyed it. Well, first off, I mean the concert sent it over the top. Yeah. The concert was just so much fun. It was just such a big night. And then, you know, like yeah, just just a big old time and it was a lot of fun. Um but then yeah, as as far as the horse part of it, um you know, I I rode in the afternoon and the horse chip one and a half, but it's funny. Sometimes I feel like I learn more when I'm auditing. Like I feel like I took more away from just watching the foundation class um, than riding in the afternoon. Um, and I still learned quite a bit from the afternoon. But gosh, there's so much you can learn from just auditing and having a chance to watch. You know, hear Buck say something and like, all right, do X, Y, and Z. And then you get to watch, you know, 20 some horses. And 20 some people try to get X, Y, and Z done. And you can see, well, this horse is doing that. And then this horse is doing that. And I wonder why that is. And it's because this person's doing that. And, and you know, that is just, it. it's a kind of a rare thing where you can just watch all that unfold all at once, you know, um, so I, I really liked getting to watch the foundation in the morning. Um, I had a lot of takeaways from that. And then as far as the afternoon, um, you know, like when we were talking with Buck on Sunday, I told him, I was like, it, it's just such a good feeling. You know, you get there on Friday and your horse feels one way. And then by Sunday afternoon, your horse feels completely different and, you feel like, yeah, I can take this and I can work with this and I can refine this and uh, we're going to do a lot of good things. And so that's that's how I felt. Honestly, probably more so than any other clinic. Um, I just, I felt a, a very big change in my horse from Friday to Sunday, which is pretty remarkable. That's That's encouraging. Yeah. What about you? What were your thoughts on it? I was busy. I got really tired. That, but yeah. overall, probably the best. I think the best clinic I've been to, with Buck. Um, yeah, it was just really calm. I kept thinking about, you know, we've done a few podcasts so far where we talked about not getting ready for a clinic, not preparing. You know, you're going there to learn. Just show up, bring your horse, riding it ask questions, you know, like Bill mm. says, get naked. It's the best way to get better. You can strip it all away, be you. And uh, so I didn't really have much choice though. I hadn't had a chance to ride those two horses for the past couple of weeks much at all. So yeah, I just kept thinking about that. What we talked about with Robbie way back then, I'm like, yeah, just throw them in the trailer, show up, ride and not be hard on, on them and just enjoy it. And I really did 
Mm-hmm. I haven't been able to ride those too much. So to just be there and it was like putting a ride on my horses. Um, each one of them every day and have Buck there doing a clinic and just be calm and peaceful and enjoy it and spend time with my horse and get a little better and help him get a little bit better and try to end each each session well. And I, it was really peaceful. I really liked it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I really enjoyed it. This was actually... Believe it or not, this might be really bad. This is the first clinic that I took really in-depth notes at. And I'm really glad I did. It really has helped me, I think. I think that's great. Yeah, I don't oh. think that's bad at all. Yeah. I, I mean, oh, you Which mean that, that, that you hadn't done until now? Yeah. Yeah. Because um, I'd, I'd sit there and take notes during the foundation. And then after I unsaddled my horse, I'd sit down and just at my trailer and just try to reflect and just list off everything we did in that session. You know, that three hour session after we rode, um, and just kind of organize my thoughts a little bit. And that was a big help. No, kudos to you. That's great. I, I've taken notes yeah. some, I, I mean, I, I haven't thought of doing it like that after riding, going back and taking down some notes. But I try to leave with a pretty yeah, heavy just, mental list of, like, what I sucked at. Yeah. Yeah, I just, for whatever reason, um, and, you know, it's not like you're riding super hard in the clinic, but the reason I thought of it was I got down to the barn and, you know, everyone's trying to get into the wash stall, hose down their horse, and then, put them away and stuff. And I just kind of looked at that line because you and I are the same way. We kind of just linger after class and hang out and talk with each other a lot and then ride our horse back or whatever. So I just, I got off my horse and loosened up the cinch and, and tied her to the trailer and just, you know, looked at the wash stall and I was like, you know, um, I, I'm just going to let this horse sit here for about 10 minutes while all that clears up and I'm going to really think about what we did today. Um, and, you know, it's not going to hurt her to stand here tied for a couple minutes. And um, and I'll just kind of reflect on that, and then I'll put her away. And, and it really helped me um, to have to take what I heard in the class and then articulate it enough that I wrote it down. I wrote it down and I just use the notes app on my phone because I can't keep track of a notebook book worth a damn. But, yeah. Um, but you know what I mean? Just like have to process it enough where you can articulate it and write it back down. It's just like taking notes in class. Like, oh, you have to understand it enough to write it down and, and think about what you did. Yeah, that definitely helps. Helps the mind. That's actually reminding me. I didn't do that on Sunday because we were in such a hurry to get out of there. So maybe I should try to sit down later tonight and and write down anything I remember from the Sunday session. But well, that Sunday afternoon, I was wishing I had a seatbelt on my saddle, like we talked about with Carrie a little bit, because I was I was pretty tired, man. Like I I was looking down, thinking, I wonder how I could tie myself in here, because I wanted to be there so bad. And I was there mentally. I was hearing a lot, but I was tired. Yeah. 
Well, you and I don't do ourselves a ton of favors because we basically, anytime we get together in person, we'll stay up all night talking to each other, basically do like five hours of podcasting, just you and me. Heck yeah. So we don't do ourselves a bunch of favors uh, staying up late when we ought to be sleeping, getting ready for the next day. Yeah. But one thing, there were a couple of points, a couple of things Buck said. I was talking to Bill about it yesterday. I said, hey, um, because we, we, we chat about all kind of stuff. And so I, he said, you know, what'd you think of this weekend? Or I think I might have asked him. And then we talked about it. And I said, yeah, I think I heard some things Buck's never said before. It was, it was like in a new way. And then he kind of gave me this funny look. And then I changed my sentence really quick. I was like, oh, actually, I think I heard quite a few things for the first time that Buck's been saying for the past 30 years. <laughs> and so yeah. that was encouraging to me because I know that he said that stuff. Sometimes I forget, but yep. I know that he said that stuff. So sometimes yeah, when you hear some new things at a clinic that he's been trying to tell folks for years, because you know that story he tells? And, you know, no hard feelings to the guy that owns double diamond halters, but I think everyone around the country now knows this story because he's told it to everybody. But for years, Buck was trying to tell him where he needed to get the leading foot to do a good turnaround or rollback. And he was really trying to get him to get that foot set back and out or something like that. And, uh, but it, the guy just wasn't getting it. And then finally, one time he went and showed and it had gone pretty well. And, and Buck was talking to him about it. He said, yeah, that went well. And, and the guy said, yeah, yeah, Buck, Buck, you know, I figured something out that if you can get that horse to really reach that foot out and back and roll back over its hind or something, then, uh, you know, he, he can really get turned around or, or some exercise. I think it was, it was that. Sure. And, and, and he says, and you should put that in your clinics. You might want to take a little note about that, put that in your clinics and tell people, cause that really helped me. And he said, he was like, sure, sure. Yeah. Like, I've only been telling you that for 40 years. Now, everyone laughs and thinks that's a funny story. Mm. I, I sit there thinking, I hope that's not me. And where, yeah, where is exactly. that me? What am I doing that with? What have I asked him or asked Bill or asked anyone else or worked on for years? And I know the answer, but I don't know the answer. And then when I get it, I'd think that I came up with it myself. Um. Yeah, that's what I think when I hear that story is what am I not hearing right now? So when I hear something like like that for the first time, that's encouraging. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. No, that's exciting. I'm excited for the next one here in a couple of weeks with you. Heck yeah, it'll be good to see you up there. Um, I'll go try to get this wedding wrapped up. Hopefully that goes successfully. If... uh Somebody shows up in the middle of the night to crash on your couch. You'll know that things did not go successfully. And there was a big family oh. cat fight, and we're all just heading for the hills. But I doubt that'll happen. And uh, Well, you're always welcome, as you know. So, Well, thank you. But uh, hopefully I won't take you up on it this weekend. <laughs> but barring all circumstances, I should be back home safely next Monday. And then... Uh, Get you know, ride again as much as I can during the week and see you there in South Carolina. Cool man. Well, I'm looking forward to it and hopefully it's as good as this past one. 
you bet. You bet. Well, I think we're about about where we wanted to be. We could probably wrap this up. Yeah, I think so. All righty. Cool. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you.